Hello, welcome to or welcome back to a Runner's Life podcast. It's getting towards the end of 2021 and it's just that time of year. And as you'll probably guess by the tone of my voice, that I'm definitely not firing in all cylinders, but that's life. So in this special episode, I speak with Carla Molinaro. And this is the full extended version of the conversation that we had in the film titled Carla Molinaro, How to Fail Forward, which is available on the YouTube channel, A Runner's Live podcast. And for ease, the link for the film is in the show notes. And when some people hear the word failure, they get a bit funny and be like, well, there's no such thing as failure. What are you talking about? And the point of these conversations is to kind of reframe just a negative view that we have of the word and actually how important it is for life to have these things that kind of set us back, but then also act as a stepping board to kind of move forward. And something I've been doing in the podcast and it's been really cool to speak to Carla about three things that she learned to first reframe the perspective of how you see the situation and secondly you don't actually know how that situation you might perceive as bad actually can be the setup for something that's really good in the future so so this actually happened to her regards to the comrades marathon so we're going to get into that in the conversation but if you go into youtube and search carla Monanaro, how to fail forward you'll see the conversation and you'll see some of the training and what was quite cool actually was to join in some of her training sessions as she prepares for seville marathon which is going to be a qualifying race for the Comrades Marathon. The first of which was a 20k run at 6.26 minute per mile, which is a sub 250 marathon pace. So, and this was like a couple of weeks after I run London. So no workout, straight into the fire and we hit the paces, which was great. Okay, this might be a bit of a random segue, but here we go. I saw something on Instagram where Michael Bublé was being interviewed and I forget the guy who was interviewing him. And if you want to find out the rest of the story, you've got to DM me just because I know that some people will fast forward the intro and go straight into the conversation. Although the conversation matter can be quite serious in terms of like how we perceive failure, I wanted to keep it lighthearted and I included some dad jokes in there, which in hearing back, I'm just horrified listening back to them to be honest. But the way that my mind works, I try to see the optimistic way of looking forward. So. You might have some L's, but you go for the wins. You know the wins are going to land. But <laughs> it took a while to get some of the wins in the in the jokes. But I want to give a big shout out to Matt, also known as Foldsy87 on Instagram. Matt Folds helped make this film possible. So thanks, mate. Okay, with that being said, let's head to the conversation with Carla. Okay, so we're going to start off easy. If you can tell us like who you are, state your name and like what you've done and whatever you want to say in the bio. Okay. Hi, I'm Carla. I'm an ultra runner that's pretty much fueled on cake and likes to do yeah distances that are have pretty much spiralled out of control a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you're definitely downplaying it. Though. I think that's definitely like a, a British thing. But you were born in South Africa, so South African or English? I mean, which one's more like underplaying it? Yeah, I don't know. It's a bit weird being born in South Africa and lived there for 10 years, but then I've raced for Great Britain. So it's this weird pull in like two directions all the time. <laughs> yeah. So the point of this conversation today is we're talking about failure. So when you hear the word failure, what does it mean to you? So I don't really see failure as failing. For me, I've, I guess, failed at lots of things that I've done, but... I think they've all been building blocks to 
kind of get to the next level where I've got to in my running career. So I think you have to go through those failures to get to where you are. So I kind of see them as, yeah, stepping stones. That's a really interesting way to look at it because when I sort of brought up, it was always pretty much black and white in terms of this, like, either you get it or you don't get it. Yeah. How did you kind of have that? Was that from your parents, basically, having that sort of way to be like, actually, just keep looking at it a different way, keep trying? I think it's probably been that way only for the last four or five years, where before, yeah, if I failed at something, I would get upset. But then I've seen it that actually you can build on it because... I've gone through failures where you've come out the other side and you're like, actually, if I hadn't failed at that, I wouldn't have kept on trying and I wouldn't have got to where I did. So I, I think I've probably turned it myself into a way that I can use it positively instead of just sulking about it, which I do, and then you get over it and <laughs> build on it. <laughs> I know what you mean, though. It's, like you look, it's easier when you can look back at it at the time yeah. and be like, oh, it's made sense here. But then at the time, it's like, this is really hard, yeah. I'm going to get through it type thing. Yeah, and I think you need to do that. You have to go through that, being upset, but then looking at it rationally and figuring out what went wrong and why you failed and how you can build upon that for the next time. I agree. So let's talk about today's session. Can you lead us through what we're going to do with the warm-up, the session and the cool-down? Yeah, so today we've got... 15 minutes warm up so nice easy jog to begin with then we'll probably do some drills um once those are finished into the main session which is 20 kilometers at four minutes a k and considering it is torrential rain and gale force winds outside <laughs> it's going to be pretty fun um and then once we finish that we've got 15 minute cool down and then we're going to eat donuts <laughs> serious question for you right yeah. now for today's session yeah how do you feel about being my windbreaker <laughs> i think mel is going to be both of our windbreakers <laughs> we've recruited a sa sacrificial lamb <laughs> is it going to be like the kind of elliot kichoge <laughs> yeah. breaking to basically that flying v type exactly of yeah okay perfect and obviously you talked about the drills as well we actually caught up a little while back doing the uk athletics coaching course so I guess we're going to have to technically follow the correct drills, aren't we? <laughs> As opposed to kind of wing it. I'm going to show you, teach you some new drills. <laughs> okay. Uh, knee, knee drive, arm drive, all that kind of stuff. All that. Stand tall, pretend there's a piece yeah. of string pulling you up like a puppet. <laughs> Make sure you get the foundations and all that. But uh, I mean, how did you find that coaching? Because you've obviously done quite a bit of coaching yourself. So I guess it's another string to your bow. Yeah, so that course, it's a bit emotional. So I've done coaching through my degree and I've got loads of different coaching courses yeah. but my grand plan eventually is to make like an elite ultra team in the UK so for a string of that with UK athletics you have to go through their coaching pathway okay. so some of it is a little bit boring kind of for me going back to the beginning and doing a course when I've already done the course just because you have to go through like the government bodies line which yeah. I get like you have to do it properly but yeah it is a little bit tedious but <laughs> it'll be worth it you know and you do learn you meet new people on it so for me it's good because you meet people that you wouldn't have otherwise so you've got to take something from it <laughs> and you talked about the elite team is it kind of similar to like what just 
like what Mary Kane is doing, especially with like building, I think, women in athletics and, you know, making sure that they're supported. Yeah. So I think kind of pick bits from both. So like in America, they've got like great teams like Mary Kane's one, like the Bauman Track Club, Nazalie, and they've got these really good hubs of athletes. And I think they're starting to do that a little bit in the UK with like the New Balance team up in the north. But I think there's massive value in people training together. And if you can pull all those people together to train and get better, then why wouldn't you? And yeah. ultra runners as well, you know, I don't think there's anything for ultra runners in the UK for something like that. So it'd be really nice to, you know, form that club to make everyone better. Absolutely. Let's go back into talking about the failures or lessons that we would like to sort of say them. So the first one you picked up on was talking about comrades uh, from Cape Town to comrades. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So in 2018, I was actually, I was planning to run from London to South Africa because I thought that was a good idea. And in preparation to doing that, I'd got in touch with some guys and they were like, oh, well, we're running from Cape Town to Comrades. We're doing a Comrades a day, which is 90 kilometers a day, every day for 20 days. And on the last day, we're going to do Comrades Ultra. Do you want to do it? I was like, well, I was going to quit my job in June anyway, so I might as well quit it in May and go out there and do that. So we all went out. There were six of us who had never met before, like all like random people that met in Cape Town um, with a support crew and we started off this run slowly like each day one of us started to like fall apart and break a little bit and on day five I ended up tearing my quad because I was an idiot and smashed it down hills as fast as I could and got a little bit carried away <laughs> um, and then by day six all of us were completely out of the game and because we had to do 90 kilometers a day, that was the route that we had planned. We had to just keep rolling day to day to all the accommodation. So then I kind of changed my mind. My parents were coming out to watch the race and I was like, oh God, if I don't get to that start line, I think my mother might kill me. Um, so I was like, right, I'll just try and do as much distance as I can between now and comrades with what my leg could handle. So each day we just ran anywhere between 10k and 60k covering the route which was really cool i ended up running i think it was like 820k up to the race day and then in the last week of the race i did the weirdest taper you would ever do on the sunday i did 60k the monday 50 tuesday 40 30, like I, it's not a good taping strategy <laughs> and then on the day of the race well the day before we went to pick up our numbers and they don't tell you but I like opened the bag and I had like an elite wristband I was like this is hilarious like I've just run 820k in three weeks and stood on the start line and was like oh okay I'm just gonna go until I blow I like <laughs> I like doing that and just ran and like didn't look at my watch didn't know how fast I was running didn't have a clue about where I was and then I suddenly you turn the corner right at the end of the race into the stadium and I could see on the clock six hours 50 and I was like how on earth have I done that and then they give you a rose if you're in the top 10 and then I'd cross the finish line in ninth place which just it was just ridiculous I still don't really know how I managed that but yeah it was weird because we had failed at the goal but literally that day changed my life and my running career pretty much forever yeah like you said like it definitely changed things but like 
I imagine though all that distance definitely did help time on the feet as well, mm. the mental side, the prep side. Like you said, obviously the taper was kind of interesting. <laughs> so but it obviously helped you get yeah. get there, you know, the top 10 finish, which is yeah. an amazing thing. Yeah, I mean, maybe just running really far all the time works for me, but <laughs> we were pretty broken by the end. Yeah, I can imagine. Second failure we talked about is rebuilding. And you talked about when you're living at the start of the pandemic, you're living in South Africa. Can yeah. you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so as the world started to go a bit mental last year, my parents were like, oh, we think you should probably come back to the UK. And I was like, nah, that's right. Let me just see what's happening in South Africa first. And then two days later, they closed the borders. I was like, okay, winning. And then in South Africa, you weren't allowed to leave your house, like full stop. You had to stay in your house. And then two days later, I broke up with my boyfriend. We're living in the same house and couldn't leave the house. <laughs> so I spent a lot of time running up and down my driveway. <laughs> So I was like, okay, what can I do? I can't leave the country. The borders are closed. I'm not allowed to leave my house. So I actually put a thing on social media and went, who wants to come for a run with me? So random people that I would be like, cool. I'm running at this time. I got their phone number. I'd WhatsApp call them. And then I'd chat to them as I ran for like an hour up and down my drive. And as I was doing that, I chatted to one friend and I was like, I was listening to the Tough Girl podcast. I was talking about like stupid things because I was running one day where I'd ran 50 kilometers up and down my driveway, as you do. Um, <laughs> everyone was like, are you running away from something? I'm like, yes, <laughs> literally. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm doing. Um, and I was like, we were just chatting and I was like, oh yeah, maybe I'll do the jog and run the length of the UK. And that's pretty much where that seed got set. And it was, you know, even though at that point I was like, oh my God, this is demoralizing. Like a relationship's ended. I can't really live in South Africa anymore. I need to come back to the UK. I then moved back to the UK, moved back into my parents. I'm like 35, living with my parents again didn't have a job, had 196 pounds to my name. Like that is all the money I had in the world. I had enough, I didn't have a car. I didn't, I just had clothes. That was, that was pretty much it. And I was like, great, I'm gonna have to start again. But because I pretty much had nothing and I was like, I need to make this work. I'd had the idea of the business that I've got now at that point and it just, I guess, sparked that fuel to go and do the jog and then set up my strength conditioning yoga for runners program which now is like an amazing community and we've got people like all over the world that have joined which is awesome and I think if I hadn't been at pretty much that rock bottom I don't know if I would have got everything rolling as quickly so it was quite a nice turnaround from going from nothing to everything but I did have to work pretty hard and got a bit stressed and gave myself shingles in the process but it's all right <laughs> it's all part of the fun <laughs> just as a side note yeah. yeah for sure I mean there's so much in that it's just like you said like I guess once you're at rock bottom it I guess the only way is up I know that's yeah. really cheesy saying that but yeah but I guess otherwise like you're saying you might not have had the drive to kind of push it forward yeah because I guess it was something you probably wanted to do before, but you're probably like, mm, do I really want to do it? Yeah. So I guess there's enough pain almost to be like, actually, I need to make this happen. Yeah. Otherwise, what do I do next? Yeah. It was weird because, I mean, like, the job that I was doing in South Africa, 
like with my ex, he was just like, no, you can't go and do coaching or anything else on the side, which was just really weird. And I was like, okay, fine. But we had a running business. And to me, it all kind of overlaps and everything works together. And I always knew that it would, but we just didn't have the same vision on that for whatever reason. But when I could then branch out and be like, well, I'm just going to try and just see if it works. And some things that I've tried with my business have worked and others haven't, but the only way to know is to like give it a bash and, you know, find your way through it. Yeah, I 100% agree with that one, to be honest. Like, you just, if you don't try it, then at least you know. Exactly. I mean, if it doesn't work, then at least you tried it. Yeah. Okay, third failure is talking about DNFs. And you talked about recent races. Can you talk about that? Yeah, so this year I've had three pretty bad races. Um, I had one which was Canyons in America in April, where I had awful stomach issues and pretty much spent a lot of time in the bush and then had to pull out just before i pulled out though it was hilarious i was sat at an aid station i was like right i need to sit here and think about if i really want to bail and this guy next to me he's like do you want some of my brownie i was like what is it he's like it's a weed brownie he was snacking on marijuana brownies he was doing the race in the race <laughs> i was like not my choice of race food but all right, cool. Um, so didn't have that, but pulled out there. And then I did the British trials for the um, trail running world champs. Again, had massive stomach issues, had to pull out of that halfway through. And then I went and did CCC as part of the UTMB week at the end of August. Again, it was going fine until like the last 10K when, yeah, I had to like walk five metres and sit on a rock get up, walk five metres, sit on a rock. It was, yeah, horrific. But through all of this, right in the beginning when it started to happen, like Rini, who's a sports dietitian, and Esther, who works in, like, female hormones, they were like, oh, we think it might be hormonal, like, what's happening? And I was like, okay. So we started to do blood tests and work through everything, but it takes such a long time to make sure you get everything right. And I actually only found out last week that I did start to have like an energy deficit, which can lead to red S, which is quite that like it's not a good thing to have, but it's yeah. quite common in female runners and a lot of runners generally. But what had been happening is I feel myself really well, like generally day to day, but I was having some really big volume blocks of training before these big races, like 100 mile weeks. And where I thought I was eating enough, I just wasn't quite eating enough and I was just getting myself into a bit of a deficit and that deficit was giving me hormonal issues, messing up my hormones and messing up my stomach in the race, which is just mad. So I'm like, all we have to do now, luckily we caught it like really quickly because they had spotted it. And I think that's where it's like just having awesome people on your side um, who can see these things. And because we've spotted it quickly, now all I need to do when I've got big volume weeks, it's a pain, but I've got to just count all my calories and see what I'm eating to make sure. But I'm like, I eat so much. But when you realise actually in a big block, I actually need to eat like 4,000 calories a day some days, which is really difficult. Yeah. But it's really interesting that it's such a quick fix and we've changed it. Like at the moment, my volume's quite low, so it's not a problem. Um, but yeah, I found that it's really interesting that I've had to go to three, three rubbish races to, but 
now we know what the problem is and hopefully yeah. I don't have to sit in a bush again in a race. <laughs> so much to it, isn't it? You know, especially, you know, the fueling as a female, there's so much things to consider. It's so easy just to go into the race and think, oh, it's something that I've done or whatever. Yeah. Like, I mean, all these things that happen that we don't have the knowledge sometimes without yeah. people around us, good people around us. Yeah, and they were like, just get some blood tests, let's check it out. And you have to do the blood tests mm. over a period of time to check. And I was like, okay, cool, I'm sure it's not that. And mm. you're like, oh God, like, <laughs> that's mental, that. But it's really lucky that I've caught it before it ended up being a massive problem that, you know, if you get red S, you can end up with stress fractures and really serious injuries. And yeah, yeah. hopefully we can unpick it quite quickly. Yeah, I think that's amazing that you know, you've got that information now and it at least yeah. helps you, you know, move forward. That's a really bad running pun, but, but yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I think it's important to like unpick your races. And if yeah. you have a bad, sometimes it is just a bad race and you yeah. have to suck it up. Like yeah. you, you're trying to get all your training and everything ready for one day. Yeah. But I knew like inside that something was wrong. Yeah. Like I was like, I knew I underperformed and that is like a sign of energy deficit, like underperforming. And I knew there was more to it than just having a bad day because it had happened three times and I'd had that same feeling. I literally had no energy and just couldn't move forward. Mm. So, yeah, it's, I think you should take the time to sit and reflect yeah. on all races that you do. I guess if people are listening, like, what would you advise them to do in terms of like, what you've done? Yeah, so I use the fourth edge blood tests. They're like, you can go to your doctor, but I find you normally have to have a really good case to go to get blood tests through the NHS. So they are expensive. They're like £100 for a test. But for me, it's worth it if you think that there's something that you need. And it's probably good as a runner to get your bloods and stuff checked. Yep. And then within that, they send you a report. They show you what all your bloods are. And like everything else on mine was perfect except for three things, three hormones, which were really low. So it was really easy for us to be like, yeah. That's, yeah. that's what it was. You get the results back in a couple of days. Yeah. You do the test at home. It's easy. So if you were writing a book about your life up to this point, what would the name of this chapter would be called? This chapter? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Oh, that's tricky. Runs on donuts. <laughs> Only because I've got a like... box of donuts over there. <laughs> I thought it would be something like, you know, like Hollywood, like, redemption. Redemption. <laughs> Digging, climbing out of the hole. <laughs> I'm not that witty. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking through <laughs> the pavlova. <laughs> Laying in the ice. <laughs> That's a good one. Okay, this is not about me, this is about you. <laughs> okay, what is one of the best pieces of advice that you've been given during your running journey? Oh, gosh. Um, so one of the first coaches that I had, so I'd gone through a period of, uh, I think we chatted about it earlier, where I would just drag my ass to the finish line on any race because I was trying to prove a point. And he had said to me, he's like, if you know that you're putting like your body in danger and like ultras there's only so many that you can do just stop pull out of the race like regroup and then go and do another one and it took me quite a while to let that sink in to be like actually I don't have to prove a point to anyone and if I am ill 
and I can't do the race and I can't carry on because I've sprained my ankle or I'm being sick in a bush, then it's okay to stop and regroup and go and do it another day. And it's taken me to this year to do that. Um, and I was probably given that advice like four years ago. So, <laughs> and I think, you know, sometimes we're like, oh, we're going to let people down if we don't finish. But actually, no one cares except you. And it's taken me a long time to realise that as well. Like, especially with, it's been really interesting with the marathon where some people have been devastated about that time because they've been two minutes slower. But actually, the only person that really remembers what time you were going for is you. Like, all your friends still think you're a legend because you finished a marathon. <laughs> and you're like, but I was two minutes slower. And they're like, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to what you said there. Do you think sometimes it's about proving other people wrong or proving yourself right? Yeah, I think I was probably doing it to prove to other people that I could finish and that it shouldn't be about that. It should be about, yeah, you should do it to prove a point to yourself. So, you know, not finishing a couple of races this year was like pretty devastating. But I was like, actually, it doesn't matter. And it was for the right. I wasn't doing it. I think there's a point in a race where you can just give up and then you need to go and have a word with yourself and be like, come on, <laughs> let's go. But there's a fine line between knowing when to stop and when, when to push. And yeah, you need to do it for yourself, not for people watching on the sidelines. But I think as runners, it's sometimes really hard to know when that point is because you're just like, I'll make it, I'll make it. You're and like, it is really, you yeah. Won't. Yeah. <laughs> like, I will. <laughs> it is really hard. And it's like I've been running for 20 years. It's yeah. taken me 20 years to get to that point to know where that line is. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it takes a long time. It's hard to be truly objective isn't yeah. it, at these points, uh, especially when you know where you can go to kind of get a result or, yeah. you know, do what you need to do. So. I know you've spoken a lot about La Jog and obviously getting the FKT and I know you've been asked a lot of questions about like what was it like what was the last day like what was like the, the hardest bit da, 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 da. but if you were asking yourself a question about that experience what would you ask yourself what would you want people to know about that experience I think like a lot of people ask me like if it was hard and like had it like actually a lot of people say like when did I want to give up but for me, I never wanted to give up. And I find that like a really strange question that it's always about, you know, going back to failure. Like, when did you want to stop? I'm like, well, I didn't want to stop. And everyone's like, well, didn't it hurt? I'm like, well, yeah, it was the most painful thing that I've ever done in my life. It was horrific, but because I wanted to achieve the goal of getting to that lamppost at John O'Groats, stopping wasn't really an option. And because I'd set myself up to finish it, so I'd given myself a 24-hour buffer, I was never in, encroaching on that, so I always knew that I was going to get get there in the time that I wanted. So I think for multi-day racing and stuff, if people want to know if it hurts, yes, it's emotional, and actually, if you want to get to the end, you have to go through a bit of suffering. And from failing the Comrades one that we did, I then kind of knew what that pain was and actually could push through it more in the jog. And it was actually easier doing that project on my own, where in the Cape Town one, because there were six of us, as soon as everyone else started dropping out, it was a lot easier to bail, where on the Le jog one, where I was on my own, it was just me. 
so I really had no choice, but <laughs> it was a lot easier to stay in the game. So if you want to do something stupid, probably do it on your own. <laughs> I, I know what Which you mean. Which is, though. yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I say I know what you mean. Like, I was there. Uh, in theory, I know what you mean. <laughs> in theory, I know what you mean. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're like, I didn't see you there, Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, stopping is not an option. This is the chapter of your life. <laughs> Always claim the glory afterwards. That's the way to go. But stopping isn't an option would be a great title for maybe yeah. this chapter of your life. Maybe. <laughs> okay, so let's go back to obviously the jog. And were there any sort of key moments, any key lessons that you kind of reflect on about you how you dealt with like an unhealthy chapter? Because it always happens during a race or during life, like, can't do this, what are you doing? Da, 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 da. How do you respond back to that? So I just I found I would have a really tough part at about 5 p.m. I don't know why, like every day. It was around about that time. And for me to deal with that, I felt really bad because like the first couple of days people were coming to join me and then they were like asking me questions like, do your legs hurt? I'm like, yeah. They're like, are you tired? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like, this is shit. <laughs> so we quickly, I was like, look, I just can't have anyone talk to me. Like they can come and talk to the cyclist or they can run with me, but I don't want to chat after 5 p.m. So we were like, come and join me before five. Um, so for me, I just knew in that patch, I was in a bit of a dark place and all I wanted to do was just keep on running. I didn't want to talk to anyone. I didn't want to have to think about anything. So for me, it was just, I needed that period to just shut off a little bit. And once we knew that it was quite good. And then I felt less pressure because in the first three days it was horrible because I felt awful because people were making a massive effort to come and join me. And they probably thought I was being really rude, but I was just in an emotional hole that I couldn't really, that I needed to dig myself out of on my own by going inside myself and not talking to anyone. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was. But then I guess that makes sense. And once you know that you get that self-awareness, you're like, actually now I can share with other people. Yeah. I think that this sort of shows that your awareness and ability to adapt and move forward. I think that yeah. that's important. Like you're saying like 501. So tell me about the meaning of life. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you something, it's F, it's infinite F. <laughs> okay, um, can you talk about what you're excited about now or any sort of future races you've got planned? Yeah, so I've, as part of my piling in this year and not finishing races, I decided to get a coach um, myself, basically because I say yes to everything. So I needed someone to rein me back a little bit. And having started to work with him, I'm pretty excited about actually all the races that I'm going to do next year. So I'm going to do Seville Marathon in Feb to try and get a fast marathon time to then as a qualifying race for Comrades, which is later in the year. Um, I'm going to go back and do Canyons, which I didn't finish this year, which I'm a little bit nervous about, actually, because I'm like, I didn't finish it and I've got unfinished business. Like, normally I'd, I wouldn't care, but I do, so I'm going back. Chapter the book, Unfinished Business. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Chapter four. Something's not an option. Yeah. Business. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and then um, in August, I'm doing Comrades. Okay. Yeah, that's the plan. So. Yeah. I, I know we're talking about races, but is there any kind of like running adventure that you'd love to do outside of racing? Yeah. So I really want to run across America okay. and the length of New Zealand. They're the two next big ones. Why New Zealand? 
Oh, just because it's beautiful. Yeah. But I'd want to do New Zealand, like, fast packing, like, self-supported on my yeah. own, like, no support crew, sleep. Because it's really, there's this route, I can't pronounce it, Taya Aura. Sorry if anyone's a Maori. Um, um, that goes all the way through New Zealand and there's like huts every few K. So it's really well set up for, you know, just running a bit and then staying in a hut and doing that for the whole. And it, the trail goes all the way from the bottom of the North Island to the top of the South Island. Awesome. Cool. We're going to kind of move towards the end of, uh, about the jokes. Yeah. Now you've got, well, I've got some jokes, you've got some jokes. Yeah. So funny story or dad joke? Funny story. I'll let you choose. Okay. So when I was doing the long road to Comrades, which is what yep. we called running from Cape Town to Comrades, I really needed to go for a wild wee, as you do. So nip down this path. And at this point, if you've done multi-day stuff, you know that your legs are so sore and squatting down really hurts. So you always find something to hold on to. So I saw this white box. I was like, cool, held on to it. Started to go for a wee. Sorry, a bit too much information. And it turned out it was a beehive. <laughs> and all the bees started to come out of the box. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I had my shorts around my knees, and then I'm running up this path trying to pull them up. Let's not get stung by bees. <laughs> so, like... It was just, oh, it was just awful. Like, chased by bees. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, the coordination and everything is just like, yeah, was, God, not the right Not time. my finest moment with everyone standing at the end of... <laughs> the path, like, just hilariously laughing at me. <laughs> but you made it out, to be honest. I did. Um, all right, cool. So let's head in some dad jokes before we head out to the run. This is Halloween theme because obviously this is Halloween. Yeah. How do you know you've been ghosted? How? <laughs> the poltergeist doesn't text you back. Started terrible. It's already started. Okay. This is a dad joke. So how do vampires start their letters? How? To who it may concern. Tomb. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. What music do mummies like? What? Rap music. Ah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> I had a neck brace fitted years ago. I've not looked back since. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Oh, God. And you're a strength coach. You do strength work as well. Yeah. This is one you could probably use. So my strength coach said I should do lunges to stay in shape. And I said, that'd be a big step forward. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put that in next. <laughs> OK, cool. I'll give you a couple of bad uh, ones. Have you got any for me? Um, yeah. So Karl Marx is really famous, but his sister's not. She should be. Her name's <laughs> Anya. She invented the starting pistol. <laughs> On your mugs. Can I tell a rude one? Yeah, you can okay. do. Why can't Barbie get pregnant? Why? Because Ken comes in a different box. You're always <laughs> 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 actually finding the lines for us. That's my favourite. <laughs> Apparently comes in multiple boxes for this <laughs> as well. So you, <laughs> you can have that one. Yep. Okay, cool. On dad jokes. It's an inappropriate to make a dad joke if you're not a dad. Do you know why? Why? Because it's a faux pas. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Thank you for listening to this episode of A Runner's Life. If you found value in this episode and you want to support the show, please share with your community, post on your social media channels and encourage them to listen and subscribe. If you want to support my work directly, you can become a member on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash a runner's life. If you want to get updates on the podcast or you want to see what I'm up to, you can follow me on Instagram at a runner's life underscore podcast and at the marathon markers. Your time is valuable. So thank you for spending your time listening to this episode of a runner's life podcast.